0: Christ. All right, ready? Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where you can take five, laying down, listening to this if you want to. I'm Haley.
1: Don't <laughs> know. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. I'm Jordan. Okay, before we get started, I wanted to plug our last narrative episode on downtown girls basketball. It was so fun to create, and I feel like I've gotten a lot of good feedback, and it's made me smile.
0: You Amber have. said That's she teared up. Oh. Amber said
1: she teared up, which like made my life. Um, so make sure to check it out. If you haven't listened to it, I feel like if you love that episode, you will also love Natalie Weiner's why Women Don't Dunk narrative show that we did a little earlier in the season. It was equally great. Just a lot of great stuff on all the women's hoops.
0: Uh, I agree. And also, um, I, it was so nice when Harry, our producer, screenshotted the this thing from Apple. We were featured on shows we love by Apple. Yeah, I did see that. Um, but part of me was like, I don't. Know, Harry's so positive.
1: I was like, "Did he Photoshop this?"
0: <laughs> but he didn't. I looked for myself.
1: He is um, really good at Photoshop. That's actually not a bad. A bad yeah, character. all of our
0: album covers that are not um, done by that are like not illustrated, but are just photoshopped. Harry does so. If you like those and you'd like to commission him, I don't know. Find him on Twitter. <laughs> um speaking of Harry we are supposed to say rate and review us if you review us Harry will read them and show them to us and that is um, not a a hierarchy thing that's a mental health thing
1: (laughs) yeah he's gonna be our filter yeah Um, which I'm
0: excited about I wonder what's the meanest comment why I don't know. Why do you wonder that? (laughs) Is it fair? Is it one that's mean but fair, or is it one that's mean but it's like die? I don't know. Whatever. I'm curious. Um, Anyway, Harry will read them. Yes. Rate us. Well, never mind. I'm not going to say five stars. We've done this before. I Do what you feel. Honestly, Um, I don't want to pressure anybody into anything. Um, Speaking of uh, mean things, I've been off Twitter.
1: Wonderful. Not How really off of it,
0: but I'm only logging on for like a couple, you know, I'll get on like twice a day instead of more frequently. I don't know. Actually, it just seems like shorter periods. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that things are happening because things are always happening. And they're always bad, but um, I actually don't know much about said things. So I well, OK, I'm highly aware of Jr. Smith going back to school. I've seen mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And. I saw that Nerland's Noel is suing Rich Paul, mm-hmm. whose name might become slightly res, slightly, slightly <laughs> less rich Paul. Oh, if it actually works, <laughs> it would be a lot like of pressure that. to have Rich as a name. I would stick with Richard always, and I actually don't know his. Rich might just be a nickname.
1: That's such a good point. That's like, good if one. you're not rich and your name is Rich. It's tough. It's kind of like that, um, you know, when people say they they would name their kids after cars that they don't have, like Mercedes or Alexis, just in the hopes, <laughs> just the hopes that you will one day get that car. But yeah, there is there is a lot of a lot of things swirling around on the Twitter sphere.
0: Okay, wait, tell tell me from the beginning. Okay, okay, happened.
1: I'll start from the start. Okay, okay, so. Basically, after the 2016 17 season, Nerlens Noel was with the Mavs and he had a pretty good run, had a great season. And the Mavs were like, okay, we want to sign you to an extension for 70 million.
0: Oh, I remember that.
1: Yeah. Where people were like, take that and run away. Don't call anybody. But then Rich Paul poached Nerland's from his then agent, Happy, and basically said like, <laughs> you know, it reminded me of like the Kermit the Frog memes where it was like regular Kermit and then black hoodie Kermit, like Rich Paul was black hoodie Kermit of like, don't take the money. 100, you're a hundred million dollar man. Don't take the 70 mil. Just, Just roll with me and it'll all be better. Just like wait. So Narlands was like, "Okay, I'm going to go with Rich Paul. His name is Rich. He's BFFs with LeBron. I'm going to roll with him.
0: It has worked out pretty well for a lot of their. I mean, Tristan Thompson is the example I'll never get out of my head.
1: Right. So he does have some receipts to prove that it's worked. But what happened was he went into free agency. He did not sign $100 million, he pretty much did the veteran minimum for the next, like, three seasons. Um, Nerland's, like, broke his thumb. He wasn't playing as well. And he took the risk. He bet on himself, but it didn't actually pay off to be, you know, more lucrative than that $70 million deal. Um. So what happened was throughout that whole time in those three or four seasons, Nerland Noel, believes that Rich Paul was being negligent. Like he wasn't really trying to shop him around, not really trying to hold his end of the bargain of giving him a bigger deal. So now he's suing Rich Paul for lost wages, like $58 million that he could have had. He wants Rich Paul to give it to him.
0: He's suing him for $58 million? Yes, Ooh. <laughs> tough tough. What what but. did I see about um like specifically did you see oh, what was this tweet that they the teams had been trying to get in mm-hmm. contact with okay, yes,
1: yeah, so Brett Brown, after he gets fired from the Sixers, like slides into Narland and Wells figurative DMs and was like, Hey, we wanted you, but Rich Paul wasn't answering the phone. Like, nobody could get a hold of him. And the Clippers said that, and Houston said that. And so now that Noel is finding out about all these after the facts, he's like, yo, I could have had a bag, but you weren't paying attention to me. So that's where the negligence comes in of Rich Paul being like, new phone, who this," And not helping him out at all.
0: (laughs) I'm looking at who his other clients would have been at the time to see if I can... Up a conspiracy.
1: Um, that's a thought of like, okay, you're not my top client, buddy, but and the I worst also want to have is, one at your position. Yes. And the worst part is like, that's fine to say if this client like fell into your lap, but not so much if you're promising him all of these things and then you don't follow through. So that's basically what he's suing for.
0: Wow, I thought that they represented more people. I mean, granted, this is Wikipedia. But KCP, Miles Bridges, Draymond Green, Trez, THT, DeJounte Murray, Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. J.R. Smith, Dion. Obviously, Jr. is not active. That's weird. I thought they had bigger stars than that. Hmm, that's interesting. You know what else is interesting and kind of a side note, but. Um. Oh, what's Jay Jay Z's company like agency? Rock Nation. Found Rock Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, their list is also a little bit interesting. Maybe we can break that down one day. But yeah, there's a. I mean, agencies are just weird. By by definition, I think from the industry, you have to believe that at to some degree, conspiratorial things because. You're always looking out for your players, Who, uh, whichever player makes the most money. So right. <laughs> obviously you're not looking out for them equally. Mm-hmm. Um, you are in so many people's pockets or trying to be, if you have a relationship with one of your players, with Nike, that helps you with a second one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also with journalists, there is definitely an economy of um, make my player look better or even start this rumor that this team is interested in my player so then my player will get more looks those things are all real they all really happen yeah Um. maybe it's more casual than we would like to think because if I hear that I think like you know a dramatic a dramatized movie version of it but those things really happen um,
1: yeah. I think that's okay. what people are saying you know it's probably not going to go all the way and go to court. So people are also saying, like, maybe Nerlis Noel did this just to, you know, for Rich Paul to take a publicity hit. You know, maybe this will hit his pockets later down the line. Maybe Ooh, people let's will check his second network. second guess, his, like, signing with him if they do this. Because I don't think either of them, it would benefit them actually taking this to court. Because what will what have to happen is, The Sixers, the Clippers, Houston would have to go on record saying, yes, we did want to sign you for this amount, and Rich Paul didn't answer the phone. And will they do that? Probably not. I think that Brett
0: Brown specifically got a hold of him and said that is really interesting. (laughs) So interesting. (laughs) He seems like one of those guys who would just leave the game and then go fuck off in Australia or something, (laughs) like have a farm. (laughs) I know. Why are you doing this? Like you had so many years, with so many <laughs> issues with Ben specifically. Actually, that's probably it. I bet this is Ben's. This is Yeah, and so Brett was like, ben. "Let me mess something else up." <laughs> yeah. Okay. So apparently, Rich Paul's net worth, according to Celebrity Net Worth, which seems like highly so inaccurate, legit. he's worth a hundred million in 2021. That number feels way too clean. Yeah. Like an even a hundred million. But that would that you know, that would be a huge hit for him should they settle completely, but or should no settling would be halfway or something smaller.
1: Yeah, and now the MBPA is also involved because it was actually Rich Paul that filed a grievance with the MBPA because Nerland's Noel didn't pay his like four percent of his latest Knicks deal. So he signed with the Knicks for five million, and he owed Rich Paul two hundred thousand. And Nerlens Noel didn't pay it because he's like, "Yo, you didn't even do anything. Like, you barely helped me out, and that's why he fired him." So there's like a little back and forth of being like, "Hey, you owe me two hundred thousand. Hey, you owe me fifty eight million," and it just seems like they're ha- they're just upset at each other. Hmm. And that's how far it should go.
0: I think Nerlens definitely has reason to be upset. I, this is beyond missing out on so much money, which is obviously the first thing. Um, and, may, and perhaps also, you know, if you had options, you get to pick what is best for you. What's best suited for you and um, mm-hmm. your skills and going forward and maybe coaching style and teammates and just general setting. Um, I would hate to learn that I had options, not thinking that I had those options. Yeah, but it also painted him as one of the guys who bet on themselves and it didn't work out. And mm. in, in addition to that being embarrassing, I think there's definitely a perception of those people just being um so self-centered that it's almost borders stupidity. And I'm not saying that that's how I feel about Nerlens yeah. or how anybody should feel, but I definitely feel like that's per- the perception. Like uh like Dennis, you know, this year. Exactly.
1: Um, Yeah. You can't sue. Like, ultimately, it's your decision. I think that's what's what it comes down to. Yes, you could be advised. You can listen to the hoodie Kermit. But you make the decision at the end of the day. And I think if it would have paid off, we wouldn't hear anything about it. And New Noel would be getting paid $100 million somewhere. But since it didn't and he got injured and life happens, he's like, wait a minute. That wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I want to sue for that. So it's kind of, it's it's a little both sides. I can see it. I mean, things have definitely
0: since that um, offer, initial offer. What was it, 70? Mm-hmm. Um, things have gone downhill for him, and it's been an uphill climb since. Yeah. yeah. So I feel bad for him because, uh, I don't know, how old was he when he was going through that? It's just kind of confusing, and you so, lean on yep. your agent. Um, and especially in his case, maybe leaning on the agent for advice more than your coach, because it's just, he had a bad experience in Philadelphia, it seemed like, um, Mm -hmm. and that kind of instability and is he getting traded? Is he not getting traded? All of those things and rumors probably messes with your head. And so it's like, who can you trust your agent? Um, but I guess you can't. (laughs) So tough. But yeah. I mean that makes me think of J.R. Smith too, in mm-hmm. a weirdly connected way because I I don't know I have such an issue with the way that um, he is portrayed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think ever since uh, what happened in 2017 in Game One of the Finals, and we you know when he basically threw the game away. Um, I don't know. I think that he's one of the people. I mean, so. Not to be like I've written about this before, but I'm only bringing it up because you fact checked this. Yes, um, it was a in 2017, and we had like a conversation about it. But Jr. Smith is, I think, one of the people who suffered the most from NBA fans becoming so obsessed with viewing the league through memes. That sounds mm-hmm. really reductive, but I don't think it's entirely the experience. But it's definitely added to my personal experience. Um, Anyone who's on Twitter, I think it's just like the rush to meme something. And I'm not condemning it or acting like I'm not involved in it. But it definitely reduces people. J.R. Smith is now in – he's a walk-on for the Aggies men's golf team flag in Hull. Is that – okay, I got that literally. I got that (laughs) off of a tweet. But that feels like there's too many words on that. I don't know. I don't really know golf, college golf like that, but <laughs> I don't know um, why the
1: flag and hole men's golf
0: team flag in hole. I don't know. Maybe I like copied, I accidentally copied like an image or something.
1: No, no, that's right. Like in the, um, you know, the hole that they're shooting it to, it, there's a flag in it.
0: So that Isn't makes that sense. Isn't that all golf? I don't no. know. Do you have to describe it? Like, it's not like we say men's basketball basket in ball in basket. Oh, Harry says, I think you copied an emoji. (laughs) God damn it. Oh, God. Always embarrassing myself. Whatever you know what whatever i bet on golf and sometimes Wait, it pays off so who's that, the real idiot here
1: the real idiot is both of us trying to try find a way of why that makes sense or why it doesn't make sense
0: okay so he walked on to the men's golf team um i obviously don't use that many emojis um okay so that being said, he's been tweeting about it a lot. This I am yes. aware of. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's been very open about his school experience and why he's doing it and how he feels about it. And, you know, school is so hard. Um, is. College is so hard for a, a a bunch of reasons. And all of the the replies are, you've got this and keep going. And I really don't find those patronizing at all because of, how difficult it is either to be a college student or um, to get into college. Like he had a tweet about, is it normal to change your major? And everyone Aww. has those conversations. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's cool that he's having that conversation with the world. Um, You know, something I talked to like my mom and dad about, but you're kind of <laughs> right, so he's lost just tweeting when you're <laughs> 18. I mean, no one teaches you how to go to college. No one teaches you how to get into college unless you have, You're lucky and you have, like, a guidance counselor who really cares. Or unless you're super, super lucky and your parents have been grooming you for it from birth. But that's not everyone's situation. A lot of people are on the way other end. Um, A lot of parents think maybe it's not even in the realm of possibility. So why even get your kids' hopes up? So anytime there's, like, a good story about somebody, you know, appreciating and wanting to go to school, you know, I have, it's a whole nother conversation why I don't think that um, student debt should exist or that colleges (laughs) should not
1: (laughs) cost. As I get that email from like Fed Loan Services, you have to start paying money again, starting January. No more pushing it
0: back,
1: (laughs) hey, (laughs) let's talk. Why? Yeah. Anyway, it's just – it goes on for
0: so long. Like, you're so old by the time – and then if you if people go – if you decide to go to get your master's Mm-mm. or – you know, I think about it a lot. There's a lot – I would love to go back to school, which I understand is not, like, the consensus for most people. Um, but I kind of – I wish I had majored in something uh, – else or double majored or something like there were it's just like women and gender studies was right in front of me and instead i have a delayed reaction and read all these books like two years out of college and become an asshole then who brings this up all the time when my stage should have been being the awakened asshole at 22 instead of like (laughs) 25 um i was a women's studies
1: minor it was awesome
0: yeah, I'm like, those classes, I love those classes so much, but I was so focused on like, how do I get this job that I want? And then, you know, you get the job and you realize that jobs aren't everything. Yeah. Um, I don't even that's know a- what he's majoring in. Do you? Have you seen it?
1: Yeah, I think it's liberal studies. That's what oh, that's I said. Um,
0: but I mean, in the middle of all of this, like, good and, and heartwarming, and mm-hmm. I think genuinely heartwarming, because sometimes people put stuff on. Uh, Twitter and Instagram like have you ever seen those posts that is a kid selling money at his own lemonade stand or he's like started a lawn service was a real story i saw and somebody'll tweet it out like this kid is doing it so he can afford college how inspirational sad uh, <laughs> it's it's collecting pennies <laughs> That's depressing um but so yeah i think that this i genuinely mean it when i say that i'm enjoying his tweets But Mm -hmm. I do feel like, and I think he would agree, um, and somebody on Twitter was like, don't make this a think piece to me, but I'm I'm gonna. Um, I think there's like a shadow following him around Mm -hmm. that's been created by NBA fans, like I said earlier. Um, And one of the examples of this, well, okay, to circle back, that's what I wrote about in that piece because I think the Lakers were about to sign him and – the whole past years, like all he'd lived through was being the guy who threw away LeBron's chance. Right. They weren't going to win that fucking final, first of all. <laughs> I know. Don't put that on JR. Um, so Overtime tweeted a link. That is a video that somebody put on their Instagram. Some college student. It's a video of JR Smith walking. You know, doesn't know he's being filmed, which is another issue. Great bucket hat. <laughs> Cross bag, I'll send it to you. Cross bag's cute. Um, and it, the caption says, This man, Jr, really goes to college, he's probably off the henny right now. Oh my gosh. Okay, so then, house, yeah, exactly. House of Highlights put it on Instagram. I've since tried to find it, which is so hard because House of Highlights posts some post like 10 things a day. This was yeah. August 24th, so I tried to go back, I didn't see it. So I think they took it down. Um, Let me read what he responded to that. So this is the video of him walking through and the guy's like, he's probably drunk on Hennessy right now. Mm -hmm. So House of Highlights said, imagine randomly seeing J.R. Smith on your way to class. I'm really curious about who runs House of Highlights because it's constant black scent. But I'm like. Are you white? Because I feel like you might be white. (laughs) And then it's the crying, laughing emoji and the fire emoji. And J.R. Smith said, "Um, All right, that henny shit is really not funny, though. Can you all try a different joke? Not mad at the kid, honestly. They're going to say whatever. But House of Highlights, the disrespect. Oh, they definitely took this down. I didn't Mm -hmm. fully. That you all post is truly enough. As a black man in America, you still can't move on from the bullshit that people continue to put on your name. Not one positive post about going to school and trying to better myself. Y'all make it look so weak and corny to inspire my people to want to do better. You consistently bring up and post bullshit. So, um, yeah. And then before, you know, I even get into all that, like, it's also a very vulnerable thing, which I don't think we mentioned earlier. He's 35. There's all kinds of things when you do them later in life that you just kind of have to like you're a bit vulnerable.
1: Exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's that's the big win here is that you are trying something new later in life. College is hard when you're 18, but it's especially hard when you're older and you feel like you know what you're doing. Or if if you're J.R. Smith, you have already made millions of dollars. So why do you actually, quote unquote, need to go to college? He's doing it. Because he wants to, and he's trying something new. He's putting himself out there. That has to be so scary, knowing people are going to judge him. And then you have things like that where they're not even recognizing the hey, good job, good for you, good luck. It's like the henny, the Hennessy jokes. Right, Come on.
0: Exactly, and uh, you know it's just scary. Like it tests your space and your ability to think critically because you have to do it in a different way in school. Um, mm-hmm. which is also one of my problems with college um, as an institution. But, you you know, you're surrounded by 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You're 35. They just got out of, you know, they've been in school for years. Like, they are in this yeah. regimen, and you have to adjust to do it. It just takes it – it's a very vulnerable thing. But about that post, he – I mean, you know his nickname for years was Henny God. You remember that? I mean, he yeah. had a bunch of nicknames, but um, I think the worst part about that is that it seems like nobody is listening to him.
1: Which yeah. didn't you say that Jr. doesn't even drink Hennessy? Like he doesn't even like it. Yes, and that was he
0: said that before 2019. But then also in 2019. He, uh, he was on a podcast called Knuckleheads, and he said that he'd only had three glasses of Hennessy in his entire life, despite the nickname. Then in 2020. Oh yeah, exactly. The pi- he said, the picture that everyone talks about with me drinking Henny, it's a champagne bottle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like, hello, I'm also going to be a fact checker, and you guys suck.
0: Yeah, exactly. And even those tweets, which he's, or not tweets, sorry. Like even him saying those obviously out of frustration mm-hmm. those were shared with like laughing crying emojis on twitter and with article headings like jr smith hilariously rips hennessy he's not saying it's bad he's not ripping them it's it's so weird to me the way that he's painted it is at the end of the day i feel like he's defending himself against a caricature that is created by nba fans mhm and the narratives that we want to be true. Um, Because don't, I mean, who doesn't want this guy who's like so fun and seems like, you know, he's just, he'd be the life of a party. Like nobody wants to not lean into that. Mm -hmm. But NBA Twitter, and I think they're not the only culprits, but that's what, you know, from my experience, what I've seen has boiled down this thirty-five-year-old's career and personality into like a handful of moments that became memes. The right. pipe, who could forget the pipe <laughs> <laughs> when he dm a woman? <laughs>
1: like it was an actual pipe.
0: Yeah. Um. Yikes. What else? The obviously game game one of the two thousand and seventeen finals the against the Warriors, where he when he was shirtless off. in the parade. That was so funny. Um. Harry just said him throwing the soup. I didn't even have that listed. I'm so confused about the logistics of that. Um but yes, him throwing the soup, definitely I think just added to when, when we were interpreting that, it wasn't even like holy shit, he threw either a full can of unopened soup, which is like pretty, you know, intense or yeah. he threw liquid on somebody. like was it was like hot. I don't know, but Even that was just taken as a joke. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm not exempt from any of these things. Like, I can't say that enough. Um, And I'm not being the meme police. Or, you know, obviously I participate in it too. But when somebody asks you to stop, you're no longer
1: laughing with them. You're laughing at them. And yeah, and they're they're not laughing. Like, I feel like J.R. Smith, whenever he's saying these things or when he's writing that response to House of Highlights, he's serious. And he's going to college to better himself and be like, are you guys still not gonna take me seriously? I think that's where he's like, okay, we gotta draw the line. It's not funny anymore. Let's cut it out. And I personally think J.R. Smith should come on Spinsters. We can talk about his <laughs> syllabus. Like, what are you reading? What are you interested in? What tests do you have going on? Essays. I loved essays in college. That No surprise, I became a writer.
0: Yeah, I used to write other people's essays.
1: Oh, nice! Did you yeah. get paid or no?
0: I got, of course I got paid. <laughs> that was my side right. business. I would do depending on how much I knew the person needed the help. I would charge different rates,
1: which might That's be unfair.
0: Good. But I always charge women less money. Let it be said here first. The most <laughs> I, I, I ever charged it. per page was fifty, but he really needed the help. So and he was not fun to work with. Um, hey, you got
1: you know your worth. You gotta Yeah, set I'm rates. like, look, in
0: terms of freelance stuff, like that's the worst freelance experience I ever had, except <laughs> for you have so much power because you can literally, you have to physically hand the paper to them. Yeah. It's or like towards the end of college, send it on Microsoft Word. But yeah, um, I also love writing. And if he's doing uh, something with liberal arts, that'd be very fun. I'm
1: sure he's got great great classes or at least assignments or whatever you know it also reminds me of like keeping with the same theme of like Ron Artest and everything with like Malice at the Palace because all of those players in Indiana are kind of painted this certain way but before we talk about that let's let's do a commercial break
0: oh commercial Okay, Malice at the Palace. So, we told each other we'd watch it.
1: Yes. Did you watch it? I did, and I really enjoyed it. I will show my age. I was really young when this happened, so I didn't remember. I don't think that expression works if you'd make yourself look good. (laughs) I don't
0: think it I don't know. Sometimes if you were like, I'll show are- my age. I was 35 at the time. <laughs> then that's like showing your age. But right now it's like, okay, so you're in your 20s, Jordan. No, <laughs> you're I
1: You're the know. prime of your life, <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> but I've said that before and people are like, oh my God, you're a baby. You're so young. When something in 2004, like I was in fourth grade. So sometimes it's, it doesn't always work in your favor. That's what I'm saying. But... I didn't remember all the, the details of it. I just remember, unfortunately, all of the replays and just the moments that were highlighted and thrown around the media that kind of put Ron Artest and a lot of the Indiana Pacers players in a really bad light. And so it was awesome to see the full story and get the players to talk about their feelings, how they felt, how it made them feel, and Ron Artest really talking about like, I was in therapy. I had a therapist travel with us and I told them I was not OK. I was not OK. I needed a break from basketball. And they were like, uh, funny, that doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. You that still have to play. was so wild to me. He was, was re- He was
0: telling them I'm not in a good place and they did not care.
1: They're like, you're on contract. So what? And that's, I I was very surprised by that. And I think that was, I know that was not told when the word thugs and I wrote it down, hooliganism. Um, yeah, I also
0: wrote that one down. That's so f- <laughs> I was taking notes in my notes app, which are really in retrospect, like don't make sense, but I was drinking red wine.
1: Yeah, I was, dra- I had rosé but I I wrote down hooliganism in quotes and thugs circled 50 times because of how many people said it.
0: Yeah, that was wild. And even if you had been older at the time, I don't know that you would've, I think you might've taken away the same thing because it sounds like it was also just super misreported and Mm -hmm. misrepresented. and it was, I didn't know that they recognized that one fan who initially threw the beer cup because the cop who was reporting, or not reporting, investigating it, used to date his
1: neighbor? His neighbor, or yeah. he was
0: the neighbor, na- yeah. That didn't, I didn't amazing. think that's where it was going. Um, This is enough, I mean, date around. You never know when it's going to help you.
1: In a case. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan. Out, like,
0: just date everyone. You might need to,
1: which is a side well, not note. If you're a cop, that's why I, I think
0: that inflicting that on you should probably think, think, just think yes. about your career. But, <laughs> but everyone else,
1: is, date everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little caveat of why you need to watch Dating Around on Netflix, which we talked about earlier. Because oh, we talked yes, about that when great, we weren't recording.
0: I'm, I will, yeah. I will watch it. But the hold that Love Island has on me right now. Is, is a stronghold. I wanna. I really want to talk about Malice of the Palace. I'm going to take a one-minute detour to tell you something I've learned from Love Island. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, this is sentence, sentence structure in England. I've literally broken it down. This is also on my notes app, but I'm not going to pull it up. You start out a sentence with, do you know what? Do you know what? Then, no matter what comes in the middle, it ends with, to be fair. When nothing requires any kind of fairness, like, they'll be like, to be fair, the sun is shining today. No, (laughs) not even as a reply to what the weather looks like. There's more things in the middle, but I just, I don't have time for all the expressions. Back to Malice of the Palace, (laughs) to be fair. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I, I couldn't help it. I mean, it's just like, first of all, you're wild if you're the fans that participated in this. Um, yeah. I wrote down language bad, civilized, spelled wrong, norma society. I think that what I was trying to write down is that either David Stern or one of the top officials in the NBA said that this had no place in civilized, normal society. I also wow. thought it was really weird that... Was it an NBA exec or I forget who it was. It was not a player, not related to that. No, wait, maybe it was Reggie. It could have been Reggie. Um, somebody said that the reason all this happened was because the regular fans who own those nice seats, the lower seats, mm-hmm. had left. Reggie so did, say, pores that. <laughs> Reggie did pores say that. The poor came down and the poor don't know how to participate in normal society. I was like, "Fuck you!" Um, <laughs> yeah, was just, that made me so mad. I also thought it was interesting that they did so many cinematic reenactments. Like, how did they get the players who participated to like look moodily off in the distance as a TV screen plays in like a shitty room with a couch? Yeah, they had to really buy in. But I think th- I, you know, I think that makes sense. The other things that it was revealing for to me that were far smaller than your takeaways, which I also thought was just, I mean, the amount of, the sole amount of the use of the word thugs in earnest. I mean, it was wild. Yeah, even if it's not, but like the confidence, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, put Mm -hmm. behind it. Like, no, this is really necessary. I thought it was really funny that they got um, Tim Donahue on it. Mm -hmm. So are we just gonna like let him back in? Like he's just, yeah, let's get this guy's, Proper accounting of what happened. Um, I thought it was funny that the players said that part of the reasons they were so amped up was because the Detroit had a really good announcer, and yeah, that got that them, them like really so hyped fired up. up. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting because um, I didn't, I just wouldn't think about that. Um, you can get your foul now. An all-time regrettable sentence.
1: And that player was nowhere to be found on this documentary. I thought that was also interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure he's he's uh in hiding, caught, caught
0: some shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I wrote down quote, quite a bitch move to tee you the truth. So I'm guessing to tell you the truth, that was a quote. I remember that. I don't remember what it was from, but apparently it was interesting at the time. <laughs> I also remember David Stern saying that it was a one-zero vote. I did um, write that down.
1: I was like, wow. That, that is- man
0: was like, when he passed, I think Woj and a couple other people wrote pretty honest um, accountings of their time with David Stern. But as time passes, the stories that will come out, I mean, we were even talking about it like on the episode that Lindsay Gibbs did for us, Mm -hmm. which actually I'm going to plug that episode and then also the episode we did with Katie Heindel, because that was talking about how it it hurts when you're a player and you get traded and it's kind of scary and you feel a bit scarred afterwards and you're always Mm -hmm. on edge, which I think applies to like, you know... J.R. and and the guys in this doc is just all kind of like, you know, they felt like misrepresented or that maybe fans didn't exactly know what they were going through emotionally. Um, But on Lindsay Gibbs episode, David Stern threatened to shut down the W multiple times while they were in negotiations. Yeah. That's not allowed. Like, you're not allowed to do that in bargaining. That's a number one. Can you imagine if, You know, a company is uh, its employees are trying to unionize, and the company's like, "Well, we'll just shut down," which has definitely happened. But yeah, I was like, "That's probably definitely (laughs) yeah." No, it's definitely (laughs) happened. Um, Anyway, Um, yeah, I thought the David Stern stuff was interesting, and you know, with the players, I have a lot of sympathy. Anytime anyone is feels so misrepresented, feels. Like they were trying to do the right thing, feels like they were set up to fail by the lack of security. Um, and even just the animosity that fans would have toward them. There's that yeah. Twitter video going around of the woman who like threw beer into the crowd. Yes, she at the just game. wanted my, so my roommate has this theory about agents of chaos, and he's not home right now, so I'll be able to say it in its entirety. He thinks like that there are other beings and essentially like agents of chaos are put here to really fuck up everything. That woman is one. I don't think the man who threw the beer in Malice of the Palace is one at Malice at the Palace because he, I don't know, like I couldn't tell what that woman's point, like was her purpose for doing yeah, that. She was just like, she just wanted to it up.
1: She just wanted to rile it up. But I, I think this, you know, going back to the guy that threw the beer at Ron Artest, like this was this goes back to the conversation we were having recently when the fans were going crazy. Like there was just this ownership, like I can do whatever I want because I bought a ticket to this game. And because I am a Pistons fan, I can do whatever I want to the other team. You're mad, you know, and they were saying, because Ben Wallace was throwing his headband, I can throw my beer. We're one in the same. And I think that was the craziest part to me is, like, one, that the league didn't take the player's side. And it was these fans that just had all this pride and this, Feeling like they had the power to just do whatever they want to other players. And when the players were like, hey, you can't do that to me. I'm going to literally fight back. No one took their side or believed them that that was the reason why they were doing it.
0: Yeah. And even when it was proven, I I don't even want to say years later, because if I remember correctly, the guy who was investigating all of it said he did not take the NBA side and the NBA wanted him to. But he was like, from all angles. This was the fans' fault. Yeah. And the expectation that you're not going to fight back. Like, I don't know where that came from and why it applies to sports. Your body is your whole business. Like, your body, protecting your body
1: mm -hmm. means protecting your career. And you're literally under attack. Like, why would you not fight back and defend yourself? Like, I don't know. Although we preach
0: about teammates, I'm like, what Steven Jackson did. Isn't that what we're trying to – I mean, I'm not, like, condoning – Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I kind of am condoning fighting back. I'm, like, the the ability to fight back if you're getting fought at. Mm-hmm. I don't really have an issue with that. While we're speaking about Ron Artest, like, for all of his – for how – I, you know, I did really feel very sympathetic to him when he was explaining that he had a therapist traveling with them. He mm-hmm. was in a terrible space. He shared that with them. And I wonder what kind of things could be prevented by that. He has been uh, sentenced because of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting more people on your... I guess to hear you out when you were struggling, when you were going through a bad time. It's just essential everywhere. Um, but yeah, I was I, I was thinking about that the entire time I was watching him. I also... I mean, 2004, how many guys admitted to having a therapist in the NBA? It was, you know, a huge deal. It was super stigmatized, like however many years when Kevin Love admitted, um, or I guess shared is a better word. I don't want to like say admit as if it's a bad um, thing he could help. But when he shared that he had an anxiety attack during that basketball game and then the rest of his teammates were so mad at him because they thought he just sat out for no reason. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It was super stigmatized. He wrote a piece in the players tribune and then I think it was DeMar DeRozan also shared that he could relate and a bunch of players did and it almost felt like the ball had to get moving or like there wasn't even a ball to get rolling because these things didn't really get shared before that um, especially in the NBA and other sports leagues yeah people have been more forthcoming but um I was, was just curi- I was curious about that, too. Like, you know, he he shared that, and he shared that with his team. It was 2004.
1: Yeah. Like, and it was the he, 70s. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting of him, you know, in the midst of the chaos from the on-court scuffle to him laying down at the scorer's table, how Ron Artest kind of, you know, recalls it. He was taking five. He was following his therapist's orders of, like, taking five minutes to take a break, Walk away from the situation to try to calm down, and so I I think when it's replayed, a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, that asshole! Look at him; he's just laying on the scores table." But he was actually taking a break and trying to recoup, and then the beer gets thrown on him, which starts part two. But I I thought that that was interesting of him being like, "I was putting my the the things I practice into practice, and it's also yeah, and the, not and the thing right. I
0: also saw people say, well, if he was if he wanted it to come off that way, he shouldn't have put his hands behind his head. Come off what way? They're trying to cool down. I don't know. What is he supposed to do? Lay on the floor? Lay up in the bleachers where you get stomped on? Like, I don't know. I just have a. I I think that it's a really bad, slippery slope to say that person wasn't practicing um, cooling down the right way. The right... I know. What Like, the if you're practicing cooling down by punching someone in the face that's probably, there's probably a less violent way to cool down. And I mm-hmm. would argue that that's not cooling anything down. But who knows? Like, I don't know, you know, and it's also, we don't know what he was talking about with his therapist. Maybe like laying down is how he do it does it best. I don't know. I'm not trying to. We have no idea. It's not really a defense of him so much as just a defense of the need for cooling down. Mm-hmm. What if everyone in there had just laid down? <laughs> <laughs> With their if their took five. <laughs> what if everyone took five like I don't know none of this would have happened but peace at the
1: palace yeah peace there. at the palace there you go that sounds <laughs> way better um, I also wrote down Jermaine O'Neal seems like a really nice guy
0: <laughs> I that's my oh, first yeah. that's my first note on, I actually on I wrote down Jermaine O'Neal sad <laughs> Oh, because I was so sad for him
1: I was really sad, yeah. but
0: yeah, I just thought that was funny. Um okay. You think that's it? You wanna say anything else? You wanna no, take five?
1: I, I do wanna take five. And um just wanna leave you with athletes are humans too. And we should make sure that we always think of that. I feel like all the things we talked about today, that that's what we were aiming at.
0: Did they mention in the documentary that arrests were warrant arrest warrants were issued for all the Indiana players? Um, I just
1: Googled that and they were. Well, they were talking about appeals. Like I know they had to do community service. Oh
0: no, you're right. They did talk about wow, I need to stop drinking wine. You, you're right, they did. Because <laughs> even after Jermaine O'Neill went through that whole thing to prove that he had no guilt, no liability, yeah. and they were like, yes. And then it didn't even matter. Because, like we're saying with Nerlands, like we're saying with J.R. Smith, like you were just saying, perception and immediate perception end up taking over any kind of truth or actuality.
1: Yeah. And they lost a lot of money from. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> lost Nerlands Noel money. No, no, and it all I'll comes all back come mind. to money <laughs> <laughs> uh, well that's our show <laughs> well
0: <laughs> what a great show i was gonna bring up i was listening to this podcast and they right when i paused it they were joking about like which rich person they were gonna eat when we do eat the rich and i was like oh that'd be a fun thing to bring up but i think it's better if we just end the podcast
1: Text me your answer. <laughs> Sounds good. And you can tell us your answer. And tell us all <laughs> what you think about this episode, about off-season <laughs> basketball. Do you think Narland's Noel has a case for suing Rich Paul? Also, would you name your kid Rich, hoping that they would become rich? Or Happy. Okay. And or who happy? would you eat? Ooh, Rich or Happy. That's really... A foil of life, if you ask me. All right, all right, we're done. Leave us a voicemail at 502-874-4453 or send us an email at spinsters at bluewirepods.com to be featured on the show.
0: Spinsters is hosted by me, Haley O'Shaughnessy, and Jordan Liggins. This episode was produced by Jordan, Isabel Jocelyn, Harry Krinsky, and Alex Ward. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me.
1: Hey, spinsters. Love the pod. My name is Riley. I'm from Michigan. I'm a Pistons fan. Uh, I just want them to take Cade, and I want everyone to stop making noise about other shit, because Kate's the answer. It'd make me happy. Thanks. Bye.